Hey there, listeners. Thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Directive Solutions Podcast for this week. Your host, Sean Castle. That would be me. We're going to be talking about problem resolution in business. So what is problem resolution? Well, it's basically as it sounds. It's a clear, methodical way to resolve problems that arise regularly in your business. Now, there's eight key steps behind effective problem resolution. So the first step is to define the problem. And you want to be very descriptive here. There's four key elements to a clear definition of a problem. The first one is what happened. The second one is where it happened. The third one is when it happened. And the fourth one is the cost or the impact that was experienced by the problem. So you basically want to come up with one defining sentence that captures each of these four attributes, as this will become the point that you use as a reference as you go forward and you try and understand the problem further. Step two, containment. Containment is a short-term fix that is put in place to control the impact or the exposure that the problem has caused. Now we're thinking low cost, low effort, quick response within a short time frame, and something that is easy to implement. But it certainly is not the long-term fix. It's purely put something in place to control the impact the problem is having whilst you come up with a long-term solution. Step three brainstorming potential causes with your stakeholders and coming to consensus. What you really want to do at this point is you've defined a problem, you've got a short-term fix, but now we need to involve all stakeholders of any processes or systems that may have accountability over them where the problem has occurred. This might include clients, it might include suppliers, uh, internal people within your company, so refer to your organizational structures and org charts, process maps, or any documentation that clearly highlights anyone that has accountability over some of the systems that this problem has occurred. Once we've got everyone in a room, we just basically want everyone to brainstorm. We don't want to try and channel their thought process too much. We just want them to brainstorm any and all potential opportunities. This can take up to an hour or two on average And I'd also suggest in this discussion, appointing an unbiased facilitator to mediate discussions. Although you don't want to stem their creativity and their understanding of some of the causes, you certainly want to use a facilitator to keep it on track and relevancy to the problem that you've defined. Then what you want to do with the array of different conditions and causes that have been brought up by all the stakeholders is you want to start to cluster them into potential cause categories. Uh, refer to something like a fishbone diagram in this case. Fishbone diagram is an example where you can, uh, it has a diagram that you can you can categorize into up to six different categories of potential causes. For example, it might be environment, or it might be uh, method driven, or it might be uh, human interaction orientated. From that, once you've come up with a series of conditions, you now have a lot to look at and need to narrow down the focus. The best way to do that is to have a consensus, so have a vote um, to reduce your outliers and 
focus on the ones that are most probable towards the root cause. One example would be every person in the room has the ability to vote on all categories or all conditions that have been raised. Give everyone one point for a low impact, two points for medium impact, and three points for high impact. And then just tally the results. Once you've got a top three to top five, you're ready to move on to the next phase. Step four, validating your top three to top five potential causes. So in this phase, we're really interested in getting some investigation happening and getting some evidence behind these top three to top five potential causes that have been voted as the most probable causal factors towards the initial problem perception. In order to do this, you need to have a cause statement for each of those causes that clearly highlights the test that we're going to do or the test condition. Then also you need at that point is what test are you going to do? So you've got a cause, you've got a test that you're going to run, and then you need obviously a result. So each of these top three to top five causes should be tested to prove or disprove whether they are a direct cause, a probable cause, not really a cause, and not really a cause but worthwhile exploring later. Step five, root cause analysis on validated causes. In this phase, we've now conducted our investigations found evidence and proved or disproved the correlation between the cause that was highlighted and the defined problem. We're now going to frame that direct cause as a question and ask why would that happen? The response that we get from that question of asking why will then be asked again, why? What we're trying to do here is peel the onion, per se. We're trying to take that direct cause and keep asking why as many times as possible until we come to a point where there is an underlying cause that no one in the room had realized that that was an attribute that could have been a direct cause to the problem that we are looking at. Normally, it's somewhere between four and seven whys before you get to a point of an aha moment and some clarity on an underlying cause or causal factor, which is normally called a root cause. Now, to make sure that you've got the root cause in this case, you can reverse engineer it. And you basically do that by looking at that final statement that you've come after four, five, six, seven whys and asking the question back. If this had not happened, would have why six happened. And if why six had not happened, would have why five happened. And so on and so forth. Step six, action plan. We've now identified some clear underlying causes or root causes that have been a direct contributing factor to the initial problem perception highlighted in step one. We now take that root cause and look at a control mechanism or control action that will close 
or control that cause. We're going into project management phase here. We're basically coming up with an action list that has to have a set accountability of a person for each task and a time frame of which they're going to complete it. Step seven, measure and track results. We wanna measure both during and after we've completed the actions required to control the causes that are causing the problem highlighted. We want to meet regularly to discuss is that action controlling or working towards controlling the root cause to that problem. And then once we've completed the action, we want to track to make sure that it's effective long term. The point of this point is the action plan items are long-term fixes. And finally, step eight, the most important step out of all these steps is to share the learnings. One of the things we don't do much in the corporate sector or in business is once we've come up with some controls, we forget to share those learnings to ensure we don't have that problem happen somewhere else in our business or within our industry. We're thinking, can you share this through a progress report, infographics, internal or external email communications, through dashboards and visual management systems, or community forums, both internal and external? We don't move forward until we help others move forward with us. I hope this podcast has given you some insight into an effective problem resolution framework that you can deploy in your own business. Thanks for listening.